Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 2 and 13 to 14 from the New Living Translation. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Great, lovely to be with you, everybody. Um, yeah, I just want to start by t- telling you why I've come on that scripture, why I've decided to land on that this morning. Um, so firstly, just to say that I absolutely love this time of year. I really love looking back over the last year and like thinking about what other lessons I've learned from that year and then what do I want to carry through to the next year with me. Just really enjoy it. I love making lists, looking back at my journal. Um, And then I really like kind of sitting and dreaming with God. Like, what would I really like this year to look like? You know, what am I really going to go for this year? Um, And just spend that time just thinking and dreaming. Just think, I find it really helpful and to kind of keep my life on track during the year. Um, And I find like, I don't know if you find the same, I find on one hand I can feel satisfied because I think, well, I love God, I'm so full of joy, um, it's peace, I've been saved, you know, this satisfaction you get from God. And yet, on the other hand, I can feel real dissatisfaction, like I just want more. I am not satisfied with what I'm experiencing at the moment. I just want more. I want to encounter God more in my life. I basically would sum it up like that. So by saying I want to encounter God, what I mean is that I kind of want to get into his presence and I want to experience God more. Um, I think it's in that place of getting into his presence that you can hear his voice, that you can experience the emotions of God. Um, You kind of get lost in awe and wonder and worship. That's the kind of thing that I want to experience this year, just reading the scriptures and experiencing God through the scriptures and just experiencing more. Um, So when I was thinking about this, Uh, A scripture came to me, which is from Psalm 24, that says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And I was thinking about that, and I really felt that God say to me this morning, let's have a look at holiness. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Um, Yeah, look at holiness, and look at how that is related to us kind of carrying the the presence of the Holy Spirit with us through life. Um, So before I get into that, I'm just going to take a moment to pray. So Father God, I just want to pray that this morning you would reveal more of yourself to us, Father God. We just want more of your presence. We want to encounter you more this year. 
And so I pray that through these words this morning, just soaking in your word, that you'd reveal more of yourself. Amen. Okay. So going back to our scripture, if you can remember that long ago, <laughs> it's a passage that Peter's writing to scattered Gentiles uh, who are living in an area that now is called Turkey. Um, and he's encouraging them that in the midst of their suffering, to remember that they're a holy people. He wants them to remember their new identity as the people of God, that they're in this new family that's centered around Jesus. And he encourages them to focus in on this identity and to not slip back into their old way of living. But he says to live in this identity of being holy because God is holy. So I thought, I'm going to look at this in three questions. So first I'll look at what is holiness? And then why is it important? And then what should we do? So that's where we're going to go this morning. So first of all, I tried something that's quite hard to get a definition of holiness. I think the more you look into it, the more difficult it becomes, really. So anyway, I started with the Bible Project. I don't know if you know the Bible Project. Brilliant resource. And um, their definition sounds like this. Holiness is more than just being good and morally upstanding. God's holiness is his defining characteristic. It's a term used in the Bible to describe both his goodness and his power. It's completely unique, utterly all-powerful, radiating from God like an energy. Ooh, that's good. Um, then I looked at Tozer. I don't know if you know A.W. Tozer. He's quite an intellect, but has a great way of putting things, but you know, a bit more meaty. He says this, Holiness is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is absolutely holy with an infinite, incomprehensible fullness of purity that is incapable of being any other than it is. Because he is holy, all his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think of belonging to God must be thought of as being holy. Good definition. <laughs> Wish I'd come up with that. <laughs> so other words that might help us think about holiness are set apart, distinct, unique, otherness. The truth is, it's quite hard to define it. Um, so I thought, let's look into the Bible then and see how the Bible helps us kind of unpack what holiness is. So we find, first of all, the first time we see God showing himself as holy is the story of Moses in the burning bush. So Moses on the hillside, tending his sheep, and he sees a bush that's burning and it's not consumed by the fire. So he goes over to have a look. And Moses speaks to him from that fire. And as he approaches, God calls to him from the bush and he says, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off because the ground you're standing on is holy. And so it seems that like proximity to this holiness of God demands that we do something, that something in us changes, that we take off our dirty sandals because we're standing on ground that's not worthy to be stood on by these unclean people. And then similarly then we have a situation where Moses takes the Israelites to Mount Sinai and they're going to meet with God and God says to them, consecrate yourselves. So they have to wash themselves, wash their clothes. And then on the third day of doing this, he would meet with them. But even then, God puts limits around the mountain and not to come any closer. If they step beyond that boundary, they're going to die. 
So the holiness of God seems quite kind of terrifying and dangerous. It's this awesome wonder, the holiness of God. And then we look, go on to the temples. So the temple was built and the presence of God rests in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place in the temple. But even then, there's strict purity laws now that govern even when you can go into the temple. Uh, and to go into the most holy place, even then, the priest can only go once a year under strict regulations. And then if you want a more visual image of the holiness of God, we can look into Isaiah. So in Isaiah 6, Isaiah has this revelation. He sees a vision of the holiness of God. So he sees the throne room of God and he sees it being filled with the robes of the Lord's and it fills the temple and he's seated on his throne. Um, what an awesome sight. And as he looks up, he sees seraphs, these angels that are flying with two wings are covering their faces because they can't look on God, covering their feet and they're flying. And these angels are crying all the time to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. And that repetition of holy just shows he is He's just so holy. He's totally holy. And as they cry this, you know, the temple shook with the power of what they were saying. And Isaiah's response to this holiness of God is to just see his own unrighteousness in the presence of such a holy God. And he cries out, woe is me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. So I think by the end of the Old Testament, we get an idea that there's such a contrast between the holiness of God and the uncleanness of mankind. So let's go into the New Testament. And we find here that actually Jesus reveals holiness in quite a different way. So we see Jesus going into unclean situations and he brings cleansing and he brings wholeness. He touches the unclean and he's not affected. There's something inside Jesus that affects those people, that he heals those people. He can touch the leper and he's not contaminated, but the leper is made clean. Uh, he touches the dead body and the body comes back to life. Um, so something is flowing out of Jesus that brings transformation to the world around him. And I think maybe this sometimes is how we can misunderstand holiness that we think that we need to be, remain holy, we need to separate ourselves from the world, that we need to kind of get this standard of moral purity that demands separateness, that we don't get contaminated by the world, or that it's full of like do and don't rules. Uh, but that's not what we see in the life of Jesus. I've got a quote from Rowan Williams from his book, Being Disciples, and he puts it like this. Holiness in the New Testament is a matter of Jesus going right into the middle of the mess and the suffering of human nature. For him, being holy is being absolutely involved, not absolutely separated. That's really good, isn't it? Absolutely involved, not absolutely separated. Uh, and in this book also, he describes the crucifixion as the most holy event that has ever happened so when we look at John 17, um, in this Jesus is at the Last Supper and praying for his disciples. He says that what he's about to do, he's going to consecrate or sanctify himself. That means he's going to make himself holy. He's talking about stepping onto his death, stepping towards the cross. 
He says he'll sanctify himself so that we too can be truly sanctified. And by that, he means he's going to make a way for us to become holy too. I think Romans 6 puts it quite well. He said, quite well, that's the Bible. (laughs) Romans 6 explains it perfectly. (laughs) Our old lives were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will live with him. And so you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. We are made holy. I mean, maybe I could summarize it this way by saying in the Old Testament, Holiness was a command, and now in the New Testament, it's a gift. Yeah, it's good. I thought, you know, thinking about this holiness being a free gift from God, I don't think we should move away from that too quickly. And so I just thought, why don't you spend a moment just thinking about this wonder of holiness? God, who is so holy so incomprehensibly full of purity and utterly powerful that he would give us this free gift, making us holy people. Let's just pause, close your eyes if you want to. Let's just take a minute just thinking about that, the wonder of his holiness. Let me read this scripture over us. This is later on in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you, that's us, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So let's go back to our scripture then, because if you're like me, you might have forgotten it. (laughs) Well, not saying that I've forgotten it, but yeah, it's hard to remember it. So we started with the introduction verses one and two, which says, his spirit has made us holy. So we've just seen that through what we've looked at. His spirit has made us holy. And when I read the next bit again, I want you to think about just identity and co-laboring God as we read this. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back to your old way of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. So it's about our identity, resting in our identity, and it's about action. There's some real action words there of co-laboring with God. Um, so when I look at the question, why, why is holiness important? I think it's because we want to live the fullest possible lives we can do, fulfilling everything that God has for us. 
then we've got to... Holiness is going to open up the way for us to do that. I think as we pursue God in close partnership and follow the Holy Spirit, it opens up our lives to these incredible adventures with God. We could live this way. Uh, Jesus demonstrated that we that he lived life as a, as a man, that's what Adrian was reading out before, that he, lived, he took off his divinity and he lived following the Holy Spirit and listening to his Father. And so we can model that as well. We can do life cooperating, co-laboring with God, that we're sent now, filled with the Holy Spirit, to go into the world and preach the good news, to be those image bearers of God, going into the mess of life, and bring in transformation, just as Jesus did, that we have the power to do that, to walk into the mess and bring transformation. We don't need to separate ourselves out. Um, I just thought, just for a minute, I just, let's just look at Peter's life, actually. It's really interesting that Peter writes this scripture, because when we look at how he lived, look to the first chapters of Acts, he has this most incredible life. Um, the change that we see from when he walked with Jesus to when he gets empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he's in the room when the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost. And from that moment, he goes out and he speaks the word with great boldness. Uh, and he sees amazing things happen, 3,000 added to their number just in that day. And then he prays again, he prays for more boldness. He gets put in prison. And being in prison doesn't even put him off. He prays again, he said, fill us with even more boldness to go out. And by chapter five, you've actually got people bringing out their sick, laying them in the street, and, Jesus, and as Peter walks by, they're healed in his shadow. Uh, such an incredible, miraculous experience that Peter has. And yet, when we look at his letters, Peter doesn't write like a manual on how to do miracles. He's exhorting people to just live as holy people and live as citizens of his kingdom. And it's almost like these will be the byproduct of walking with God and keeping the airways open between you and that relationship with God. Uh, so I think as we spend time developing that friendship with God, learning to hear his voice, tuning into those leadings and the promptings of the Spirit, that we open ourselves up to live in the most fulfilled lives that we can live. Um, and I think the way that we keep these areas open obviously is to steer away from things that would get in the way of that relationship. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 encourages us not to quench the Spirit, so not put out the Spirit's fire. That means don't do things that will get in the way of you kind of co-laboring with God. So... Um, this, it says honouring this really precious relationship and guarding it really carefully. Um, and the truth is, holiness, we're not going to achieve it all the time. We're, we are going to have times when we fall short. But the thing is with Jesus, we just take those failures to Jesus and we ask for forgiveness and we become clean again and we pick ourselves up and we move on. Um, I think we can do this really well as a community. We can encourage each other, be accountable to each other. Um, and if we need to, we can t get someone to talk to and guide us and help us through our struggles with these things. But what I want to say today is that nurture that relationship. Let's walk really closely with the Holy Spirit. And by doing that, we host the Holy Spirit really well in our lives. And we have this presence with us that distinguishes us from all the other people on the earth. Unless we yield our lives to him, we get that privilege of carrying his presence into different situations in life.
So I want us to take a moment again to pause thinking about that. So you can close your eyes if you want to. Let's just think about how amazing it is that we carry the presence of God with us, us as holy people, as we yield ourselves to him. Just like Jesus, we can hear the Father's voice. We can be led by the Holy Spirit. Take a moment to think about this. What would my life look like this year if I listened more closely to the Holy Spirit? Would I find creative solutions to my problems? Would I see miraculous breakthrough? Incredible answers to prayer? Would you dare to follow his lead, maybe into a new career change, a new location, a new ministry? Those things that you've been pondering about, wondering if it was God. Would you dare to step out if you heard God encouraging you to talk to a colleague or to a stranger? You could bring hope and restoration into that situation. Wherever you are on this journey of holiness, carrying the Holy Spirit with us into life is worth pursuing this year. And so how do we do this? How do we pursue this holiness? And this is a point where I'm going to invite the worship band to come back up. Because the answer is really simple. We just get caught up in loving God. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, everything changes in our lives. I just want to encourage us this year to make delighting in God our ambition. As we hunger and thirst for more of God, more of his presence, we carry that holiness into every sphere of our lives. Isn't it true that as we spend time with the ones we love, we become like them, don't we? Let's spend time with his presence becoming like him this year. I found a great quote that I just want to leave us with um, from a book called Holier Than Thou by Jackie Hill Perry. She puts it like this in her book. Desiring God above all things is the soil from which all holiness is grown. We are already empowered to flee sin through the Spirit. And we will want to and choose to put to death what is earthly in us when we believe that God is infinitely better than anything we're tempted to leave him for. Beholding the glory of God in his word and believing all that he shows you in this transforms you into that same image. We've been chosen to host the presence of God and to carry that transforming power into the world. Why would we do anything to spoil that? So let's pursue holiness of God this year. Let's get into his presence, take every opportunity we can to worship, to encounter him, to get our lives changed.